Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons will help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened the Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today our topic is going to be Elohim. Let's begin in Genesis chapter 1. In the first verse, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament, in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, And the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the third day. Now in this passage, we see a portion of the account of creation. And within this account, there are many spiritual truths that we need to understand and to consider. Verse 1 said, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now the word in Hebrew for God that is used here is Elohim. Elohim means the strong creator God. This is our first encounter with God in Scripture. We are introduced to him in this verse. He is introducing himself to us. He is telling us here that he is not part of creation. He is above and separate from it. He is the creator of creation. And this is even more important in light of what happened after creation. Later on in Genesis, when Adam disobeyed God, mankind fell from our formerly perfect state. And in doing so, all of creation fell with mankind and became corrupted by the effects of sin. This is when we see a drastic change take place. Before the fall of man, God walked in the garden in the cool of the day and spoke with Adam. But after the fall, God no longer did this. God walked with man and he had perfect communion with him because they both shared in their state of perfection. In the fall, man lost his perfection while God maintained his because of who he is as Elohim, because of the fact that he is above, separate, and outside of creation. If there was no God, 
and all there was was corrupted creation, man would have no hope. It is because our God is the perfect, incorruptible, strong creator God, Elohim, that we could put our hope and our trust in Him. The name Elohim tells us even more about God than the fact that He is the strong creator. This is because the name is plural. The name Elohim is the plural version of the word El, or Eloah. The unique aspect of the name Elohim is that it is a plural word that refers to a singular Godhead. Later on, in the 26th verse, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Now the terms us and our are plural terms. They express by their usage the plurality of God. Then, verse 27 reads, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Now the terms his own and he are singular terms. By their usage, they express the singularity of God. So we see plurality and singularity. This is a revelation of the Trinity. The plurality of God is the three distinct persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The singularity of God is that these three are distinct in their personhood, but one in essence, one in perfect communion, and one in will. Now in verse 26, we saw that the three persons of the Trinity each desire to create man. And then we find in verse 27, completeness, finality, and oneness in will, the perfect singular will of God, plurality within singularity. When referring to the name Elohim, the word of God uses both singular and plural pronouns. The works of God and his actions are described using singular verb forms. So with this understanding, we see that Elohim is a plural word by construct, but a singular word by usage. The first name we are given for God is itself a revelation of the special and the unique nature of the Trinity. God is introducing himself to us and showing us that there are three distinct persons within the one Godhead. There are many patterns throughout scripture, and one of them is the appearance of trinities. One important manifestation of this pattern is the creation of man. Man is himself a trinity. We are all made up of three distinct parts, body, soul, and spirit. These three have different purposes. They have different attributes and functions that are unique to themselves, but together they form one complete man. We are Trinitarian by nature. We wouldn't truly be created in the likeness and the image of God if we weren't a trinity like our God is. We also find this pattern in the first verse of Genesis. It is a short sentence, but within it, there is a lot for us to discover. Verse 1 reads, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now we find within this verse three key elements for our study. They are the terms beginning, heaven, and earth. These three together form a trinity. Beginning is time, heaven is space, and earth is matter. These are a trinity of creation. And not only are these three together a trinity, but each one is individually made up of its own trinity. The first one of these is the beginning, which is time. Time is broken up into three distinct parts, past, present, and future. Now each of these has their own unique characteristics and attributes. Even though all three are different and distinct from one another, together they form time itself, the complete concept of time. And all three are needed to make time complete. Now the second trinity is heaven. It is space, which is also known as volume. Volume is made up of three parts, length, width, and height. 
and these are each unique types of measurements, each measuring something completely different. But all three are needed to get a complete and an accurate measurement of volume and space. They are all necessary to make the concept of space complete. Space can't exist with only one or two of them. We need all three. And we again find here three within one. The third of these trinities is Earth, which is matter. Matter is made up of three types, solid, liquid, and gas. They're each vastly different from each other, and each have properties unique to themselves, but all three are matter, nonetheless, and all three are needed to rightly understand the concept of matter in its entirety. And it's also important for us to note the order in which these different elements were created in. First, time was created, then space, and then matter. They had to be created in this order, because each one lays the foundation for the next one to be created, and together, they make up all of creation. Time was created first because it's linear, and it's created a standard of measurement for the universe. God uses time to mark progression. It's the system of measurement by which we measure all else in creation. Time is the when that prepares us for there to be a where and a what. The when must come first. Next, God created space. Space is always expanding, the universe is constantly becoming larger. Since this is the case, space is progressive in nature. Time had to be created first because time is the measurement of progression. Space progresses in time. So space subsequently had to be created after time. Space is the where. The where needed a when to be there first. Now that God created the where, he can place within it the what. Lastly, God created matter. Matter had to be created last because by nature, matter takes up space. Matter exists within space, which exists within time. Matter is the what. It came last because it needed somewhere to be placed, which was space, the where, and some time to be placed, which was time, the when. A what always needs a where and a when to come before it. It cannot happen in any other order. And this is why we see time, then space, and then matter. The first verse says, in the beginning. This phrase conveys an important truth. Heaven and earth, space and matter, were both created within time, in the beginning. They were created within it and exist and they operate within it. This shows us the primacy of time and why God created it first. One other interesting fact that we must note is that we find a further revelation of the Trinity in the relationship between space and time. Space is a three-dimensional structure within time, which is a one-dimensional structure. We find here again the principle of free and one. God reveals his Trinitarian nature to us, even in his creation in the world around us. Water can be an ice cube, a puddle, or a vapor, but it's all still water, no matter what form it takes. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and is still God, free and one, at all times. It's amazing to think that in just the first verse of the Word of God, there are three trinities within a trinity, written by a God who is a trinity, being read by us, man, who is himself a trinity. Only God can write a book like that. Once we understand God as Elohim and see some of the amazing, intricate things that he created and designed, it changes our perspective of God, and it helps us to grow even deeper in our personal relationship with him. As the strong creator God, we must remember that he is outside of and above any problem that our fallen nature or the fallen state of this world can throw at us. This is why we can only put our hope and our trust in God, 
and why he is an ever-present help in a time of need. If he was on the same level as the source of our problems, we wouldn't be able to be sure of the results of his help. It is because he is Lord of creation, Lord of Lord and King of kings, who sits high and looks low. He is over and above our problems on a higher level, that we can be sure of a perfect and complete solution to any problem that we may face. We are his creation, and we are his workmanship, and he cares very deeply about us and about the problems that we face. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, starting in the sixth verse, it says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you're of more value than many sparrows. Now let's go down to the 22nd verse. It says, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. God handmade us, he designed us himself. And the same way that he cares for the sparrows, who only cost a farthing, which was the smallest Roman coin that there was, he has the same care towards us and infinitely more, to the point and in such detail that he has all of our hairs individually counted and numbered. God does a similar thing with all the stars, each of which he has numbered and given a name. God cares so much about you that he would have given his life and died on the cross for you if you were the only person on earth. That is how deep that his love runs for those whom he has created. We are his workmanship, and the worker is proud of his work. And therefore he invests in what he has made. He invests time and effort and care into our lives because of his love for the work of his hands. The world has a hard time understanding this concept because it's so contrary to our fallen human nature. But we as believers who have experienced his care firsthand understand it because it's right in line with God's nature and with his will. We are told in this chapter not to worry about tomorrow. We're told not to worry about clothes or food because God will provide. God provides for us because of his care for us. When we understand his care, we can understand his provision. We worry that we won't have enough money or enough food to survive. But as a strong creator God, he can create a way where there seems to be no way. He can create a path to victory. He can create confusion in the enemy's camp. And he can create sustenance for his people, like when Jesus fed the 5,000. 
God is still the creator. He is the eternal creator. He created yesterday, he is creating today, and he will create tomorrow. Creating is a part of who he is as God. He isn't limited like we are. He's not constrained to the confines of time and space and matter or anything else that he made. What are great hindrances to us are nothing in his sight. When we feel like we're out of time, or there's nowhere left to go, or we're out of resources, God doesn't start to worry and stress out, because those aren't limitations to him. He created bread and fish out of nothing. He created man out of clay and dirt, and he created the entire universe by only speaking a single sentence. The word universe even means one sentence. Limitations is not a word in God's vocabulary, and there are none on his power. This is why we can rely on the care of God and trust in his provision. We serve a God that can deliver us out of any type of trouble that we will ever come across. Let's go to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17. In 1 Kings, chapter 17, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be, that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. God fed Elijah using ravens because he cared for him and he saw that he had a need. God wasn't limited because Elijah didn't bring any food and was far away from a food source. God, as creator, used the ravens, which are his creation, to bring food to Elijah. This shows God's love as creator, and it's a manifestation of his care and his provision for his creation. The only way that God is ever limited is when we limit him by thinking that he is unable to do what he has promised to do, and by failing to recognize him as Elohim in our lives. Elijah could have said that God wouldn't really be able to feed him out there in the desert, that he wouldn't be able to send ravens to help him, and then God wouldn't have done it, not because he is unable, but because he won't be mocked. If we think God can't or won't provide for us, then he won't do it. But if we trust in his care and provision for us and have faith, then we will see it manifest in our lives. The only hindrance to the full operation of the power of God in a person's life is unbelief. Elijah believed, he trusted in faith, and God kept his word and created the sustenance he needed and brought it to him. We need to understand God not just as a generic term in an impersonal way, but as Elohim, our strong creator God, our personal creator, and our personal Lord and Savior. This is the key to living a truly abundant, victorious life of faith. Our God has no limitations. He is still creating today and is right now creating our destinies. All he asks of us is our faith and our belief. Understanding God is not just some existential being far off in the distance, somewhere far away, but as our personal creator who cares for us and wants to be invested in our lives is the secret to moving past the realm of religion and into the realm of relationship and faith. We need to have faith in the creative power of God. 
because there is much more creating to be done. Revelation 21 and 5 says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are the strong creator God, that you are Elohim, Lord God. Help us to understand who you are. Help us to receive your introduction to us. Help us to see the pattern of trinities and how much that really means within each of our lives. Lord, teach us about your care. Help us to trust in you. And teach us to trust in your provision, that even when there seems to be no way, that you as the all-powerful God, as our strong creator, can create a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, we thank you for your care. We thank you that you love us infinitely more than we could ever dream of. And Lord, we thank you for your provision, that if we trust in you, we will never be let down, and that you will always come through when we need you. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, and we worship you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to know God as Elohim, the strong creator God, and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody today for listening. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you would like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We also appreciate if you write a review wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.